1: One,
0: two, one, two, three, four. Hello, Jonathan Colton-Cruz, 2019, and welcome to Sawbones, a tour of misguided medicine. I am your co-host, Justin McElroy.
1: And I'm Sydney McElroy. It's fine. It's fine.
0: That's actually. That's actually. Those were actually exactly the same. But there's an aquatic echo that made the second one. Hey, if this boats, if those boats are rocking, um, I was hoping you knew because I am. Wow. I am at a loss. It's
1: really moving. It's
0: trucking, eh? Captain, open her up. I went in and he asked me. He's like, Justin, do you think she could take a few more knots? And I was like let's turn this Oosterdam into a booster dam <laughs> and, like, open it up. And he asked me, he was like, would you feel more comfortable if I, would you like to come to the bridge and open her up for me? Because I'm a little hesitant. And I was like, no, Captain, you do it. You can do this. I believe in you. The magic was within you the entire time. I've taught you all that I know about the sea.
1: That, that whole story was just so you could use the term booster dam, wasn't it?
0: I'm really into booster dam. <laughs>
1: He's been practicing it for a couple days I'm now. I'm really into so it. Right? That's, okay, I'm glad you found a whole anecdote. So the problem,
0: <laughs> we, can, we sometimes cover some challenging topics on Sawbones. And the problem with doing that in a podcast setting is if people get skeeved out, totally wigged out and grossed out, they could turn the podcast off. You're on a
1: boat. <laughs> <laughs> You're trapped here with us. Last time we did a show on the cruise, we did norovirus, (laughs) which made everyone uncomfortable. And I think maybe even alerted, like, the crew, like, what are those two up to? Yeah, what's their angle? So we maybe took it too far. Uh, So I was trying to come up with something else that would be, you know, especially relevant to all of us living in close quarters, uh, and something that maybe is, I find very interesting, but I think Justin would say is a little
0: challenging. Mm-hmm.
1: So I wanted to talk about pinworms. <laughs> so that's the one you get, because after this,
0: you know, flee now if you need to, because after this, we're barring the doors. <laughs> We're, we're not, actually. That'd be a no, fire we're not hazard. Gonna do that
1: There's nothing to be squeamish about, because the thing is, pinworms affect people everywhere, all over the world, uh, no matter... It is, it, it is truly, like, a parasite of equality. <laughs> it does not discriminate. We can, we can all
0: celebrate that here on the Joko Cruise, right?
1: Uh, in fact... <laughs> of people in the United States will be infected with pinworms at some point in their life. Hey, y'all, there's more than five people in here, (laughs) isn't there?
0: Run the numbers real quick. Look to your left. Look to your right. If those four people don't
1: have pinworms. So it's no big deal. No big deal. Uh, And specifically, some people in high-risk environments are more likely to get pinworms, and that's usually places with, like, close quarters. One of those is actually schools. So school kids are at higher risk for pinworms. I don't know
0: any other populations that are living in close quarters.
1: Well, I just wanted to make sure you knew we brought one on board, a school kid. Oh, yeah, we do have a school kid on board. Just in case. Yeah. Don't worry, we have one. I don't think she has pinworms. We only have two kids, so the odds are good. So usually on Sawbones, I start with all the history because we're talking about a disease that everybody knows a lot about. When it comes to parasites, I feel like they're not as well known. Like, what do they do? What are they? How do they happen?
0: It's it's weird. It's like almost people don't like to talk about them. (laughs)
1: So I wanted to take just a little bit of time to kind of explain what pinworms are and, and how they happen, how you can get them, and why you shouldn't stress out about it, even though I know that I'm going to keep saying that nobody's going to care, right?
0: Yeah. Okay. They're going to continue to stress. Uh,
1: the name that you can use if you don't like pinworms is Interobius vermicularis, <laughs> if you like that better. I think it's a little more clinical. I mean- It's still worms, but a little more clinical. And they live their whole little lives, their wormy little lives, inside humans. And the way that happens... Hey, I'm a human. Wait. mm -hmm. So what happens is you got to swallow the eggs first. But don't worry, you won't know. They're very little. (laughs) They're very tiny. You wouldn't know. So it's no big deal. They're not like, you know, they don't taste bad or anything. (laughs) So you're going to swallow (laughs) them... They're going to get down to your small intestine and then hatch and become little larva, and then they're going to keep migrating down, and on their way, in the ileum, they're going to stop. What's the ileum? The ileum is the last part of the small intestine. Okay, thanks. So, when they get there, they're going to mate, you know, to make more pinworms. Oh, I heard some awes out there. How sweet. Now, at that point, usually the male pinworms die. Sorry. (laughs) What a cool boat. (laughs) The the gravid pinworms continue on. (laughs) The pregnant pinworms (laughs) continue on on their journey throughout the rest of the intestine. And as they migrate down, they get larger and larger until they're essentially just filled with eggs, somewhere between 11,000 and 16,000 eggs in a pregnant pinworm. So
0: many, really. It's It's like a a lot, lot. huh?
1: It's a lot. lot. It's a lot. lot. Like their whole body is filled with eggs. (laughs) So, (laughs) and they they migrate, in case anybody is curious, um, at a rate of 12 to 14 centimeters per hour. (laughs) So... I don't know who needs to know that, but hey, trivia. So. Yeah, in case that comes up. Um, so anyway, they keep moving on down the colon, but the thing is they need some oxygen for the maturation of the eggs. So they're not going to open up and lay all those eggs inside your intestine. They need to get out. And now they're closest to, well, the other end. Like, right, they came in through your mouth, but they've migrated down, 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 down. So there there's a light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> Not usually, but I I guess maybe. And they're going to follow it. You're doing some frat stunts, guess <laughs> it's possible. To to oxygen for the eggs. So what happens is eventually they will migrate out of your anus and lay their eggs. Interstellar
0: there. uh mm-hmm. Pinworms mm-hmm. migrate mm-hmm. out of interplanetary. Oh, okay. We have some leftover space nerds from the last
1: <laughs> show here to correct that. Thank you. It was fair. I know the difference. So they so they migrate out and they lay their eggs in the like the perianal folds. So they just just kind of all around the area. <laughs> You good. can't see that on the podcast. It was just kind of a circular motion around the area.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> cool, 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 that's cool, cool, it. cool, cool, cool,
1: cool, this, this is happening at night, by the way. They do this at night.
0: Oh, so wait, stop. In the body? In the human body, they do it at night?
1: Yeah. How do they know? That's a good question. <laughs> They do it at night, though. That's when they come out and lay their Are eggs. Are they just looking typically. for the light at the end of the anus? And they're, well, they're, they're like, not well, looking like, for the light. They're looking for the lo- oxygen. Looks like noon. everybody. Back to bed. But they, that generally speaking, they lay their eggs at night. I mean, I guess they could in the day. Like, it, if you're somewhere where they're, like, if you're, let's say you're up at the North Pole. I'm not going to. Okay. Let's, let's move on. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so... They lay their eggs, and then they hide back inside. Or at that point, what can happen is, as they're laying their eggs and the worm is moving around, well, you, could, you might feel this now. And it's not, it's not painful. It's more itchy would be the word. It's itchy. And so what can happen at this point is either they lay all their eggs, or... I don't like
0: that one, so let's see what <laughs> the other one is.
1: Or you, you scratch. And if you scratch right at that moment when the worm's there, you're going to break the worm open. (laughs) And lay all the eggs for it. You're welcome. (laughs) And this, to continue with the life cycle... More. I thought they'd all beef it then. Interobius nope. vermicularis. No, the eggs don't. No, no, no. The, the 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 pinworm that has laid the eggs is no longer with us. It has departed. Its job is done. But the eggs are just getting started. <laughs> uh, the eggs are very sticky, and they're very hardy eggs. They can live for like three weeks in a moist environment, so they can hang around for a while And what tends to happen since the eggs are irritating and then the worm itself is also irritating is people scratch and then touch things. And that's how the eggs spread. (laughs) So sorry about that one. (laughs) Just that. That was the only one that was bad, right?
0: That's the only one that's been (laughs) bad.
1: So you touch things. Surfaces And like I said, they're pretty hardy, so they can live there for a while. So you touch surfaces that other people touch, or maybe you touch, I don't know, somebody's face. I don't know why you just scratch your butt and you're touching somebody's face, but maybe you do. Or you could touch your own mouth and reinfect yourself. That can happen, too. Everybody, back to the, you got the fast pass, y'all. <laughs> We're taking the ride again. Come on. Come on, kids. That was a hoot. Let's get back in line. But one way or another, they get into another mouth. Some other mouth, any mouth, doesn't matter to them. The whole life cycle repeats itself again. Um, You can also, by the way, I thought this was an interesting note. While this is the most common path. This isn't going to be interesting. (laughs) You can spread them by inhaling the eggs because they're very small. And I was like, well, how does that happen? And the example that they gave was like shaking out a bed sheet. (laughs) Like, you know, you just kind of like before you spread it on the bed and just eggs everywhere. (laughs) So here's the good news. Oh. Uh, if you get pinworms... This has all been a
0: dream, and I'm about to wake up, and these don't exist.
1: No, they do exist. But if you get them, your symptoms really aren't that bad. Uh, the number one symptom of pinworms, and again, not everybody gets any symptoms. Like, some people just have them and have no idea. Perfect, You yeah. feel fine, you have no idea, you've Perfect. just got... eggs down there and some eggs down there and a big you might be spreading them or maybe you're a very excellent hand washer and you never scratch your butt because it's not itchy so you know they're just your own little private wormy pet (laughs) which is your secret
0: pet so secret that you do not know you possess it
1: um now like i said the main symptom though is pruritus ani which just means your anus itches your butt Itchy butt. Yes, you have an itchy butt. That's number one, is you'll complain about, like, man, my butt itches.
0: (laughs) Meanwhile, everyone in the audience is like, wait, my butt itched? (laughs) My butt itched three months ago. Hey, Doug, remember how
1: I was telling you my butt itched? So bad for days and days? And like I said, it can be worse at night. So specifically like an itchy butt that at night you're like, you can't sleep. So like insomnia can be another symptom, but it's really just that your butt itches so much you have trouble sleeping. So you wake up to scratch your butt a lot. Um, Or the area around your butt can be itchy. Everything down there can get itchy. Everything down there. In more severe cases, you can just have general below-the-waist itchiness.
0: Perfect. Cool. But but
1: most of the time, that doesn't happen. Most of the time, the only symptom is that your butt might itch a little bit, and that's it. Which is why in kids, this stuff can spread a lot in, like, daycares and schools and things. Because, like, kids scratch their butt all the time. I don't know if you know that. Kids are constantly scratching their butts. And so if every time they scratch their butts, you thought they had pinworms, you'd be taking them to the doctor all the time. So you just assume like, well, it's a kid, their butt itches. The way you diagnose pinworms, so let's say you do have an itchy butt and you're starting to think, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, it does itch a lot at night and it keeps me up at night, it itches so much. Maybe I should get this checked out. Well, the test that is best for pinworms is something called the scotch tape test.
0: I hate it I hate it I hate the test I hate it I
1: love this stuff It sounds like you make it up But I didn't It's just the thing It's just the test Justin Do you think you could guess What the scotch tape test is?
0: Um, you put scotch tape Over your mouth And your nose And your weight And eventually you die And you don't have to think about this <laughs> Anymore And you pass the test Everyone passes This one <clears throat> Well, no. Do <laughs> so you put it on your you put it on your butt and then you take it off and you see if there's worms there on the tape?
1: Hey, yeah. Now you usually are gonna have to do like a microscopic evaluation. Like, well, we will. Pres- I have prescribed this in the office. Here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna get some clear tape. Any clear tape will do. It doesn't have to be scotch tape. That's just Well, we tend to... That's what we're taught in medical school, the scotch tape test. So, a clear piece of tape... Packing tape would really be ideal. Put it... Because scotch scotch tape is not... Scotch tape is
0: is not as perfectly clear as the... Like a packing tape. Mm -hmm. Like a good, sturdy packing tape.
1: Because what you're looking for is what's going to be a good slide for your microscope later. Uh, So, you're going to put the tape there, leave it overnight, and then the next morning you can bring it in and we can look at it under a microscope. Here's my butt tape. Excuse me? Can you direct me to the counter where I should give my butt tape? <laughs> and we look for worms or eggs or whatever whatever we might find. And usually this, this will identify them. If they're there, we usually can find them using this test. Uh, now, I found it, when I was reading all this, I had the question, well, why don't we do a stool test? Because for most worms, in case you're not familiar, for most worms, we just ask you to poop in a cup that's that's hey I need to know if you have a worm I need a stool sample you give me a stool sample we go look at that well we have to prepare it we have to like mix it a certain way like liquefy it like get it like watery I mean like not liquefy it but like get it watery and then like prepare a slide and look at that and look for eggs or worms or whatever we're looking for but uh, in this case that doesn't work very well and I wanted to know why is Am I getting to, is this too Go hard? ahead. Okay. I have this noted, like, Sid this is. bolded
0: it and said, when I get to this part, I need you to make a judgment call as to whether or not I should read this part. So now I'm saying, read this part, because you can only get so wet, and we're all here together, so let's go.
1: Man, I think I blew it by describing how you prepare a stool sample, so I, I think I maybe already maybe made it too bad. But, so, so the reason checking the stool doesn't help, it's, it's. Uh, diagnostic like 5% of the time. So almost never do you actually find anything because they actually would have to cling to the sample on its way out if you're following me. And in order for enough worms or eggs or whatever to cling to the sample, you'd have to have a lot there. So like a super infection, lots of eggs. And then you'd have to choose just that right piece so it's really hard to do it in a stool sample. Okay.
0: <laughs> the medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy.
1: I don't remember. Well, there's that. no
0: need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier then you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar.
1: I don't think I was going to... Squarespace,
0: what is it? It's a tool, think of it as the palette. The palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the... Easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father, folks. You got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com Sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code Sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts. And that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner.
1: Humans have been infected with worms of all kinds for a very long time. Parasites kind of live with us. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Sometimes, like I said, sometimes you don't have any symptoms of pinworms, and they're just kind of hanging out with you, and you're like you're a little...
0: You just never know. know. You just don't know.
1: Humans and parasites, we just evolve together. Sometimes they're problematic. Not always. Uh, But a lot of what we have learned about them has come from studying coprolites. I love when we get to talk about coprolites. (laughs) Justin, what's a coprolite? I don't know. I've told you on the show before. You've
0: told me a lot of things on the show before. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't have a degree. It's f- what? 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 What game was Super Mario Brother two based on?
1: <laughs> Doki Doki Panic.
0: Okay. <laughs> All right.
1: Fine. <laughs> Fine. You win. You win this round, Smurl. Uh A coprolite is fossilized poop. So we can get f- <laughs> fossilized stool samples. Thank you, one
0: person that pre- applauded.
1: From humans. And I love reading about this because I was reading all these articles uh, specifically about finding parasites and finding like larvae in fossilized poop samples. And how difficult it can be depending on like which castle. Like they were looking at all these different castles and finding like the, the bathroom in the castle. And then analyzing stool samples found on like the soil in that area which is a pretty cool way to deduce it. Okay, this is who lived here. But the problem is, in some castles, like, they were only used for a short period of time, and so you can really pinpoint, like, this is when this stool sample is from, and who may have made it, and what larvae are in it. And then other castles were used for centuries, and so you have no idea. You just find these coprolites, and they got worms in them, and they don't help. But this is where we've learned most of what we know about how old parasites are and, and how long they've been with us, The earliest known instance of pinworms is actually from Utah. didn't know that. And it was from uh, 7837 BCE. Wow. So we've had pinworms in us for a very long time. And like I said, not causing us problems most of the time. Um, They knew, as we're going through ancient history, they knew specifically that embalmers had a risk of contracting various worms and as you look through like ancient texts and their diagnosis and treatment of different parasitic infections and specifically worms it all kinds of overlaps like we didn't know exactly the difference between a tapeworm and a roundworm and a you know, pin you know the pinworm versus an ascaris and all these different kinds of worms so you'll see like treatments for how to get rid of intestinal worms in general. So some of these treatments probably were aimed a little more at like an ascaris worm over a pinworm, but nobody really knew the difference. So they were just used for any any kind of wormy thing that might be coming out of you at the bottom. Um, The In the Ebers papyrus, we find, like, an incantation that it was used to try to protect embalmers. It was specifically, like, the incantation to prevent worm infections in an in embalmer. <laughs> it's a very specific incantation. It's a, a specific incantation. Which suggests that there was some belief that, like, we don't know why this happens. We're not—we We think it's some sort of, like— Maleficent, malevolent, maleficent,
0: malevolent. We think Maleficent from Disney. I think Maleficent. That's the plot of Maleficent too. It's her infecting embalmers with pinworms.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's very niche. Yeah. We think. I mean, almost as
0: niche (laughs) as a movie about Maleficent and a sequel to that movie about Maleficent.
1: So, there, so this reflects the belief that it was some sort of malevolent force, like, uh, you, like a, you were cursed with worms. We don't know why you got them, but something to do... You'd think we would have put this together, like, you're an embalmer. You work with dead bodies. Nah, I got nothing there. You were cursed. <laughs> But what's interesting is in that same papyrus, they talk about a treatment for worm infections um, of any kind, any kind of of worm intestinal problem, and they suggest pomegranate roots. Hmm. And what's kind of cool about this is that this is actually something that they've done studies on in the modern day. There is some worm-killing property to certain parts of the pomegranate So this isn't totally off base Now depending on which kind And you are eating the root or the flower or the leaf or whatever It, it can kill Some worms in wow. certain concentrations So this was like a really good idea I don't think the incantation Necessarily worked But the, the pomegranate actually was a really good idea Um, Hippocrates talked about worm infections, specifically a lot about roundworms. Some of this was probably Ascaris, but he was probably also referring to pinworms because all these symptoms can kind of overlap. Like in really severe infections, people will complain of like loss of appetite or maybe some stomach cramping. And then, then some of the other parasitic infections, those can get really severe, those symptoms. Um, with pinworms, you probably wouldn't have that, but the, the itchy butt you usually think of is probably pinworms. Hippocrates, Galen, our old pal Pliny the Elder, <laughs> who, they all had uh, one number one treatment that kind of persisted for a while was garlic. Everybody just said, well, eat garlic. Sure. I, don't, I don't have any evidence that that necessarily worked but garlic. Um, And then a lot of their other advice was based on the idea of humors. So at the time, the prevailing medical theory is that you have four humors in your body and you got to keep them in balance either by like getting rid of some or adding more in, in order to maintain health. And so a lot of how to get rid of worms was just eat some, what were called like cold foods and drinks, because those foods and drinks were thought to balance out like too much warm humor. And then you got more cold humor and then the worms went away. So that was a lot of their advice. Galen was big on modifying your diet. Um, also, bloodletting sure, was a big of treatment of the time. Like, I God, don't know, yeah. you got worms. Let's open a vein. We don't know. But they also, like Galen specifically said, and part of this was the problem, they thought that worms formed through spontaneous generation. So, like, if you've got something decaying and some heat and leave it there long enough, a worm will crop up. It'll just... Appear. And so, without an understanding that like worms were a communicable thing and we were passing them around and they were living inside of us, they were just like happening in humans. So, you can see where like then you would balance your humors to treat that as opposed to like, well, let's stop pooping into our drinking water.
0: (laughs) It's another thing we could try as long as we're just trying stuff.
1: Um, I mentioned Pliny the Elder, and you know, I had to do a deep dive there to see you can't just have garlic plenty, come on. Come on, bring the heat. A lot of people had worms. You had to have more than just garlic. And oh, he did. So he had lots of different treatments. Um, One was mixing water and barley and wormwood, which I guess that sounds like it would make sense. (laughs) Um, You may be familiar, it's an ingredient in absinthe. Uh, (laughs) um, There was also, there was some nettle mixed with salt and hydromel, which was like mead, sort of, like a fermented honey kind of thing, so... Okay, sure. Uh, there were some other, like wine with some roots or wine with some oregano or just wine. <laughs> I don't know. Stop worrying about the worms. So <laughs> your butt itches. The, by the whatever. end of the day, I don't even care if I have worms or not. It's fine. I don't care. They just hang out. It's fine. He specifically mentioned if you've got heliotrope flowers, you can mix it with wine and that'll get rid of worms or gravel. <laughs> What? You've got some gravel. So one
0: thing I could do is wine with flowers. Mm -hmm. The other thing is gravel?
1: No, it'll get rid of gravel that you've got in you. Okay. Which I thought, like, well, that's got maybe kidney stones. How big of a problem was this? But specifically, if you want to get rid of kidney stones, you have to also add cumin. So it wasn't kidney stones. What is happening? Um, Who has gravel in there? He he also mentioned pomegranate. Again, this was a good idea. He's just copying. But what he said was, you've got to take a pomegranate, boil it down until it's a third of its size, and then just fill in all that you just lost with wine again. Perfect. <laughs> and drink it. That sounds pretty good. Sure, like yeah. I, sure. Yeah, I like that. And then his last recommendation, this was my favorite. This is a quote a considerable number of walnuts <laughs>
0: Is that enough plenty you'll know when it's enough <laughs> Just keep munching
1: A considerable number
0: Considerable Have, number Would you of say you've
1: ever eaten a considerable number of walnuts
0: Um I don't like walnuts uh, at so all. So no. So
1: no. So you might have walnuts. Consider
0: walnut number of walnuts for me is like four. If you see me eat four to five walnuts, assume I have pinworms. <laughs> assume that I am trying to get rid of my pinworms, because that is a lot of walnuts for a cat that does not enjoy them particularly. I'd rather <laughs> do the pomegranate fruit challenge or whatever. <laughs> that looked like, you know, it reminded me of all those things that you'd see on allrecipes.com and they're like, I'm going to do that. And then you don't. <laughs> it's like, I should do this. This wouldn't be that hard. We just got to go get the pomegranate and get the one and then take, throw and the pomegranate seeds out and then you boil then it, you out. It, it out. I'll just do it. Yeah. We'll do it next time we have a party. But we don't have a party because we have two kids. Anyway. <laughs> you were saying about gravel?
1: Uh-huh. I, I found so many articles as I was trying to research like ancient treatments for pinworms and all this kind of stuff. What What did we used to use? I have found that and I don't know if this is common knowledge, archaeologists seem to really love to dunk on the Romans for like not being as smart as we all think they were. <laughs> I found all these articles which were like Romans not as clean as they seemed, Roman baths ineffective, Romans all that water still not clean. Like and I was like, What is the deal? Like, why are we hate like Why are we hating on the ancient Romans? I don't know. But apparently, the ancient Romans were crawling with worms of all kinds all the time. The
0: great thing about the Joker Cruise is there's probably like eight people in here who are like, typical Romans.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what I was hoping. I thought somebody would be like, I know, right, the ancient Romans. Because because it was really like just endless articles that were like, you had your bathhouses and you thought you were clean, but guess what? You weren't. And, and they did. Like, sanitation improved. I mean, at least I remember learning that, like, in grade school. Like, you learn about aqueducts, and you're like, aha, we have a sanitation system. And it did improve at that point in history, but the worm thing didn't. It actually got worse. Nice. Parasitic infections actually got worse in ancient Rome. And that was, I think, a lot of the question was why, because everybody was, like, trying to use toilets and trying to drink clean water. So what was going on? And so part of that was probably the bathhouses, because they didn't necessarily, like, clean them all the time or, like, drain them and refill the water. So I read that there were, like, layers of, like... <laughs> Human.
0: Like human, <laughs> end of sentence. Human. <laughs> layers of human, end of sentence. Like layers on of the human. Water? <laughs> Just like layers of people, person on the water.
1: And I also, didn't know that people ate a lot in the bathhouses. It didn't seem like a place yeah, where you want to eat. Eating
0: a, eating a big rowdy chicken leg, just like chunks falling. You're like it's look how clean I am. <laughs> I am um, yum yum
1: Well, I'm because I keep thinking of like a hot tub, and I've never been in like a hot tub. It's a like, Luke mm, tub. It's a lukewarm tub. <laughs> I want a big old plate of food, but I don't know. Maybe maybe people are doing that. Like there's the taco bar. There's the hot tub here. It's right
0: there. It's begging for it.
1: <laughs> anyway, so apparently it was not the the bathhouses were not necessarily. The most sanitary of places. So this could have been a way that, it, even though you were, get, you were taking a bath, which was great, that we were actually spreading a lot of these parasitic infections. Um, they also, on, I, on a side note, there was also a lot written about how much lice there was. Like, they invented, like, all of these fine lice combs to remove lice. <laughs> like, they found these. I don't know why that was important. Again, I feel like archaeologists just really hate the Romans. <laughs> They're like, they even had their own lice combs. Well, I mean... That's good. (laughs) They were getting the lice out. Uh, So anyway, aside from all that, there were were probably two other reasons that parasitic infections spread in ancient Rome. One was there was a sauce called garum, 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 I believe, that was very uh, popular. And it was made from pieces of fish, herbs, salt, and other like flavorings and stuff, spices and seasonings. And it was like fermented and old, And, like, fish sauce, basically. And it may have had, like, things like tapeworm eggs in there very easily. And it was used all over Rome. And it was, like, taken, like, people would, when they would travel outside of the empire, would take it with them to put on their foods other places and give everyone else their intestinal worms as well. So this spread a lot of, um, like, you can follow the path of this sauce and follow the path of worms throughout (laughs) the ancient world (laughs) where humans were just, like, here... Have our tapeworms
0: you know i didn't touch condiments when i was five years old and it turns out i had it right i knew what i was doing
1: i found i found one archaeologist that i i read a lot of his work on this and it was very interesting dr piers mitchell and he said he summed up all of Rome's sanitation by saying that this it seems likely that while roman sanitation may not have made people any healthier they would probably have smelt better so that's right, it then. all those i mean don't you remember all the Aqueducts. I feel like we learned anyway. They also a practice that started then and would continue throughout the medieval period was fertilizing crops with human waste, and this was probably also a big reason that that any kind of pinworms, any roundworms, any tape all these different worms would continue to be spread is because they wanted to. It was like a time period where like let's get the poop out of the streets. Let's keep our streets clean. Let's put the poop on our plants. Let's put it in the fields. Let's get it all out to the fields. And so, this was probably another big reason that this stuff spread. Um, And then, this was again very popular in medieval times. So, you would just, you know, don't you call it like night soil?
0: It's a lot of people who knew (laughs) the app.
1: So anyway, this was probably another big reason, because then, like, it's all over the fruits and vegetables, and then you're eating it. And this was another reason, like, everybody, again, didn't discriminate. Like, royalty was documented as having intestinal worms, just like, you know, the, the peasants who worked the fields. Like, everybody got infected with worms. I like that great unifier. That's something we can, that can <laughs> in this age of division, can bring us all together, our intestinal worms. So, uh, in the medieval period, they didn't have a lot of better ideas than the ancient Greeks or the Romans did as far as how to treat this stuff. Uh, we were still using a lot of humoral system of medicine, so a lot of leeches, a lot of bloodletting, um, a lot of things that might make you puke or or pee or poop. Um, and then, the only thing was tansy. For whatever reason, tansy was like an herbal remedy that would be cooked into fritters and given to people. I just love the idea that was like, oh you got some worms? Let me make you a fritter.
0: (laughs) Make you a fritter. You won't be any better, but like fritters are delicious, so Take your mind off of it a bit.
1: Um, in the, as we move into like the 1800s, you find that, this, that various worm infections become a big deal in the American South. And so you can find a lot of like folk remedies and herbal remedies and like traditional medicine that came out of the American South to try to treat all of these different worm infections. A lot of them you'll see the term vermifuge. Vermifuge? Vermifuge, which is, was something to like clean out the worms. Verma referring to worms and you just clean them. Vermifuge. Anyway, if you see that, that means it'll get the worms out of you. And while, again, these were not specifically always aimed at pinworms, a lot of worm infections were hard to tell. Like, you didn't know what worm you were treating. And uh, it didn't was... work
0: anyway, so what's the, why quibble?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, molasses candy was a very popular... I'm into this. Which yeah. to me, that just seems like we think our kids might have worms. What will they eat? That must be a vermifuge. <laughs> so uh, molasses candy was a popular one. Sometimes they would add certain, like, um, herbal things to the candy that were thought to be good specifically for worms. Something called worm seed, so, or also called goose root. It was Jerusalem oak, whatever you know, or worm seed, American worm seed, it's whatever nice you some know way, by.
0: Sometimes when things are named stuff like worm seed, it's kind of nature's way of telling you, like, this can help with worms, you know? <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> all we, makes you, sense. It all adds up. The circle of life.
1: <laughs> you know we called it that, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. Like
1: plants aren't like labeled. That was, it was
0: more of a thinker.
1: Plants aren't like labeled in it's nature. It's more of a grower.
0: <laughs> you'll be walking back to the Rotterdam deck here in a, in a few minutes. You'll think, oh, wait a minute. That's hilarious. He didn't, he knew the difference. What a kidder.
1: Um, tobacco tea was a popular treatment. Now we're
0: talking.
1: Um. <laughs> that probably didn't work. Things like sage or senna or horsemint, uh, just all different kinds of herbal things. Now, pumpkin seeds were made into a tea, and this was often used for worms. And again, sort of like pomegranate, we've actually done some studies now that have shown eh, this may work a little bit. This may actually kill some worms in some conditions. It's harder to predict how, like, the dosing, so who knows. How, you know, how strong was their pumpkin seed tea? I don't know. So was it actually doing anything? I can't I can't speak to that, but may it have been, and could it actually work? Yeah, and there have been... What's really cool is I was looking specifically at these studies, like, now, are these in a lab, or did they do these in humans? They've actually done with pomegranate and pumpkin seeds in vivo, in body, in living human being studies, and they've killed worms that way, so... It's kind of neat. Nice. I am not suggesting that if you have, if you think you have a parasitic infection that you make yourself a pumpkin seed tea, you have no idea if it will be strong enough. But it is kind of interesting that there was there was truth to some of these these Do little treatments.
0: pastries help? Because I've eaten a lot of those <laughs> this week.
1: Do they have pumpkin seeds? Or pomegranate?
0: I don't know. They okay, have, They well, have, uh, like, why? red. Why don't red, you know? What? Why don't I know? I don't really look at them. I just kind of... <laughs> I'm worried people will try to take them. I know that's not how it works. Um, I'm on vacation, sort of. <laughs> you're
1: you're dressed for
0: it. We match. You can't tell this, if you listen to it later, but we're wearing the same patterns. Our when formal. Was, when, our formal when we
1: found out it was formal wear day, we were like, "What does formal wear mean to us?" Well, we bought these at Disney, and we match. There formal? It is. Formal? <laughs> is that formal? Uh, thank oh, you. Thank you.
0: <laughs> if you're listening to this later, someone just said, you guys look amazing. <laughs> like Greek gods.
1: <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, so one one interesting note I found was that there was a there was a belief that turpentine was very good for like anything that made you sick. Let's go back in the to South. pumpkin and, seeds. Well, I thought this was interesting because I have seen this as like a folk remedy in where we're from, West Virginia, which isn't. Isn't really the South? Like, no, specifically, it's just, it's, we left the South? Specifically,
0: but, not the South.
1: Specifically, we said, no, South, we're the North. But then, still, uh, turpentine was still used. Still, I, we I, drink
0: turpentine. Still, we drink turpentine so sometimes we when get we're sick. we too up on
1: a high horse about it. <laughs> but even though this was, like, people recommended against this, like, doctors would be like, please don't have your children drink turpentine. That was didn't. a very popular thing to do was to give your kid like a sugar cube with turpentine on it <laughs> because they thought it was a cure for like anything intestinal like in your stomach some come here at least they've got the great taste of molasses candy to get the tastes out there were a lot of patent medicines at this time uh some of which we've we've talked about before but there were a lot of medicines advertised to get rid of worms that probably didn't do anything But they were very popular And were advertised well And so people would buy them uh, A lot of them were laxatives So you would think you were ridding yourself of worms Because you would, you know Poop a lot afterwards And like parents specifically were targeted Because it was like your kids will go to the bathroom a ton And you got to think, well the worm's got to be gone <laughs> Everything else is gone uh, And so <laughs> they were all like called vermifuge So there was like white's cream vermifuge Jane's vermifuge young kinds, tapeworm specific vermifuge And then my favorite, which was Kickapoo Worm Killer.
0: Great. Great.
1: Great. Again, all of which probably... Nothing worked. ...didn't do anything. What do we do today, Sid? So the nice thing today is we have lots of treatments for all varieties of intestinal worms... Pinworms are pretty easy to treat with, like, two doses, usually one, and then, like, a week later, another dose of a medication, and it's that simple, and you can be rid of them. And it's almost, I found, like, lots of notes that it's almost easier to just treat them if they happen than it is to, like, worry yourself too much about preventing them, because they are hard to prevent, they are Fairly contagious. So, like, if one member of a household comes in and we diagnose them with pinworms, we're going to treat everybody. We're just going to assume, like, worms. Well, Everybody's got the worms. Yeah, got pinworms. <laughs> um, but, again, it's not something. It, it is the most common parasite in the developed world. We all are going to encounter it in a family member, or a friend, a loved one, or maybe an enemy. I don't know. Somebody you know <laughs> is going to get pinworms. So don't maybe stress. you.
0: It's probably you. Hasn't that been the way it's gone so far for you? It has for me. That's been the situation for me so far. So I probably is me. And I know statistically it doesn't make sense for all of us to have pinworms, but it feels that way, doesn't it? It feels like probably the way things have been going, we've probably got pinworms also. It just seems like that's the way our luck's been going but,
1: lately. But again, don't stress about it. Just wash your hands. Don't scratch your butt. And,
0: and when you do See a
1: doctor and get rid of see, it. <laughs> <in my room. laughs> uh, folks, thank you so
0: much for listening to us talk about pinworms. You've all been very courageous, and I'm very proud of you. Uh thank you to the taxpayers for the use of our their song Medicines as the intro and outro of our program. Thank you to uh Paul Saborn and Jonathan Colton and all of the Joko family for having us here Yay. aboard their uh just massive boat. And uh <laughs> thank you to you for braving the rocking of these waves uh to listen to us. Uh that is going to do it for us uh this week. So thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I'm Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. <laughs>